0: Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. When he'd led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. The second reading is from James chapter one, verses one to four. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks, Jen. Especially as I asked you to do that five minutes before the start of the service. Much appreciated. hopefully. Um, Just to say, this camera is not working for this morning. We don't really know why. So if you're watching online, hi, I think you're watching over there. (laughs) We love you. We haven't just sent you to a further distance. We do like you, really. Um, Good. Uh, So uh, that is the character of Joy from the film Inside Out, which, if you've not seen it, is a a really good film. Um, Actually, we haven't watched it, actually, in a while as a family. Maybe you want to watch. Um, We're looking at Joy this morning. um, And, uh, well, I'll explain more. Why don't we pray? Lord, um, come speak to us now through your word. Thank you that you don't leave us to guess or to figure stuff out all on our own, but you guide us. Thank you that there is life in your word for us today. Pray that we would hear what you want to say to us this morning. Give us courage to live our lives in response to what you say. Amen. Amen. So, we are just back from a week on the Isle of Wight yesterday evening. That may not sound very exotic to you, but hey, no quarantine restrictions. Um, and the truth is a, a holiday on the Isle of Wight was exactly what we needed as a family. Um, I don't say that because of the lovely beaches or the cool coast breeze um, after a week of the heat wave in which we always melted, almost melted. I don't know if you remember that. Does that feel like a long time ago now? Maybe it does. <laughs> Or because of the rather quaint feeling that you get on the Isle of Wight that you've been transported to somewhere uh, back around 1955. Um, I say it because after what has been a monumental year of change uh, for us as a family, um, filled with the strange and the new and the uncertain, um, having this week to look ahead to all term um, over the last hundred days, if you like, in a place That we knew and have been before um, was exactly what we needed. Uh, In a year that's been defined by the difference, just having this little piece of familiarity bobbing on the horizon has been really helpful to us. This morning is week two um, on this Fruit of the Spirit series that we're doing over the summer. It's just a reminder of what we mean by this slightly sort of Christianese phrase Fruit of the Spirit are the qualities that are nurtured in us by the Holy Spirit who takes up his dwelling in everyone who follows Jesus. And in his letter to the Galatians, Paul lists uh, nine fruits of the Spirit they are. Um, Why don't we just read these out together? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So we are just spending a few weeks looking at some of these as we stop and reflect a little bit over the summer, who we've become at this sort of point midway, sort of midway through this crazy year. Last Sunday, Rach Wooden kicked off the series looking at love. Um, You can still go back and see that talk um, on Facebook, um, on our Facebook page if you look at last week's service. Today's topic is joy. Joy. And the truth is, I think in that list that we just read out, I think joy doesn't feel that revolutionary. It's not very controversial. It's something that everyone in the world wants, and it doesn't seem to necessarily challenge our discipline, perhaps like maybe patience, so that was forbearance, or self-control. Um, joy almost feels a little bit kind of mainstream, if that, if that makes sense when we're looking at these fruits of the Spirit. But that challenge I think we face as we consider the Christian definition of joy is that it comes from really quite a, well, totally different place than what the world calls joy, which I think is probably something you could describe as euphoric happiness about how I feel right now, which isn't a bad thing in itself, by the way, but I don't think it is what joy is in the Bible. So uh, Luke 24, um, let's take a little look at this. Now we actually spent a couple of weeks in July looking at this final chapter in Luke's Gospel, um, but actually I realized that the following verses from the ones that we looked at there were perfect for looking at this topic of joy as a fruit of the Spirit. So the story so far, um, obviously we're picking up in the middle of a story. On the first Easter day, two of Jesus' friends are walking along a road uh, when Jesus appears alongside them and he starts talking to them and he asks them why they're feeling sad and then he listens as they tell him all about themselves and how sad they were that he was dead remember Mark Twain's famous quotes rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated except Jesus's death wasn't exaggerated it was cold hard sealed in the tomb reality and as Jesus listened patiently, they then explained to, well, as Jesus, he listened patiently, and then he explained to them that all this had been a necessary part of God's big picture of salvation, plan for the whole world. And as the two disciples reached their destination, Jesus made to continue, but they invited him to stay, and he broke bread, and their eyes were opened, and then he disappeared. And the two disciples, it was evening time, but they ran straight back to Jerusalem, seven miles, to discover that the others had seen, or some of the others had seen, the resurrected Jesus too. And as they're in this room talking about this together, and this is our reading, Jesus suddenly appears among them and says, peace be with you, to which the disciples all say, ah! Um, Probably doesn't say that, but you've got to love it. Jesus picks this moment that they're all talking about him to show up does he use the door no he just appears among them boo and then has the audacity to say hey peace it's okay tell me jesus doesn't have a sense of humor the disciples are totally freaked out luke says they thought they were seeing a ghost and then jesus makes the point that you wouldn't be able to touch a ghost let alone give food to a ghost and for the ghost to eat that food as happens in a moment And then Jesus shows them that it's really him. And Luke tells us that they can hardly believe it because of joy and amazement. And then Jesus does two things. He talks about all the historical background to what's happened. He takes them through the scriptures like he did while he was talking to the two on the road to Emmaus. Everything must be fulfilled that was written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. And then he talks about what's going to happen next. that The good news of repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem and that he's going to send them the Holy Spirit to equip them to do this. So he sets this moment therein in context by looking back and looking forward. And that is the key, I think, to it all. That's the key to joy. And then I'm going to try and cover, I'm trying to cover far too much uh, ground in a short space of time, so do go back and look at this passage uh, at your leisure. But Jesus ascends to heaven, but this time the disciples are not grieved verse 52 they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy now think about this for a minute when something or someone you love is taken from you even if just for a short term short time the normal reaction is not joy while we were in the Isle of Wight um, Jess's parents came and stayed with us for a few days and which was wonderful. So did my sister, the much loved Auntie Debbie. When they left us to return home, Jess's parents on Thursday, uh, uh, Debbie on Friday, we were sad. We missed them. When people we love leave us, it makes us sad, not joyful. We've just seen that with the disciples before. In the earlier part of the story, when Jesus was crucified, they were devastated on the road when Jesus came alongside them. It says Luke says that their faces were downcast. they were sad. Now immediately after getting him back, he is taken from them again, not just for a few days, but long term, until he returns which we are still waiting for today. But instead of sadness, they experience great joy. And this, I think, is what makes Christian joy unique. What the world calls joy is usually how we feel based on what we're experiencing right now in the moment. Joy is about having our desires fulfilled right now. Again, that's not a bad thing in itself, although we know, don't we, that following our desires can just lead us into some very bad choices and places. But joy in this story is based around something that has happened in the past and something that will happen in the future. Essentially what Jesus has done in defeating the power of sin and death and evil and what he will do, which is bring a final end to sickness, suffering, sorrow, and pain in the renewed creation. It's kind of like, but not really, the sense of joyful expectation we had as a family this term about returning to the Isle of Wight. Um, You know, that sense that it was based on something that had happened in the past, the fun we'd had there in, in the past and the joyful expectation of what we were gonna experience again. Although Jess would tell you that I I spent most of the last few weeks being convinced that we would either get COVID or get pinged or contact traced and our plans would be scuppered. Um, We didn't. Somehow um, my eldest son came out of self-isolation the day we went, which was wonderful. The joy the disciples experienced in this story was founded on a future vision and promise shared with them by the one that they knew and loved and believed and trusted totally. They were so convinced by that vision Jesus shared with them that it filled them with joy despite huge disruptions, huge uncertainties. And it was a joy that carried them through the pressures of persecution even martyrdom. Joy is not about feeling great about our current circumstances. It's about how we feel about what's to come despite what we're experiencing right now. Now is that challenging? You bet it is. Maybe you feel uh, about your future hope in Jesus a little bit like I did about going to the Isle of Wight. Almost that you're so worried that it might not happen or work out that you can't quite let yourself enjoy the prospect. I get that and it's, it's natural. But joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And as we mature as followers of Jesus, learning to walk in step with the Spirit, according to his words, doing life God's way, not to earn his favor, we already have that because of Jesus, but so that we can live fruitful lives. This is something the Spirit will grow in us. Maybe you know someone like this, someone who's led a long life in step with the Spirit, someone who's facing, uh, you know, the worst circumstances imaginable, but carries a joy that almost seems to defy that. It's not to say that they don't experience great Heartache, pain, um, emotional anguish, as I'm sure the disciples did as they were murdered. Doubts, questions, anger, of course. But accompanying that, a joy for what Jesus has promised in the days ahead and for eternity. I've known people like that. There's a a gentleman in my uh, previous church who received a a terminal cancer diagnosis uh, last summer. And uh, his first reaction was to want to share with the church um, what his hope in Jesus looks like in those circumstances. I was absolutely bowled away by his faith and by his joy. I've known people like that. I felt enormously challenged by them. And I'm thankful for their example. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would produce in me more and more that kind of joy that defies the circumstances. Which I think is actually a far more realistic proposition for a joyful life than the endless pursuit of pleasure, which, as I said earlier, rarely bears much fruit in terms of real joy, ultimately. Which is why in his letter, and we'll finish up with this in a moment, James is able to describe present suffering as a cause of joy, which frankly sounds a little bit bonkers, doesn't it? How is that possible? Well, I think it's an honest analysis of the state of the world and what life can feel like much of the time, which if you have no past or future story to tie that to, is just meaningless. But if, like those disciples, you know that following Jesus will not save you from suffering right now, but that today's suffering is not the end of the story. Then as James says, suffering can actually be something that causes us to grow spiritually, to mature. There's a lot more we could say about that. Um, We'll save that for another day though. But why don't we just to respond to that challenge this morning. Can I just invite you to stand? I just want to spend a few moments uh, responding in prayer. Um, So firstly, I just want to pray. um, I know for some of us, when we hear a message about joy and being joyful, um, it can come with a kind of a side helping of guilt, a sense that, oh, I should be feeling more of this. Or maybe there's something inadequate about me or my faith that I don't feel this. So um, that in itself is an unjoyful thing. So I just want to pray um, for you. And then I want to pray for the rest of us as well. Just invite the Holy Spirit to come and increase our joy in the face of the circumstances. So maybe um, take a moment to prepared to receive. Some people uh, like to hold out their hands. It's just a posture of um, receiving something, of a posture of openness. And it's an ancient biblical way of praying. You can do that if you feel comfortable. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you that you um, have good fruit to produce in our lives and in our hearts. Right now, I want to pray that you would pour out the gift of joy, the fruit of joy in our hearts. Lord, for those who have much to be joyful about in this moment, I pray that you would increase that, um, that joy uh, more and more. Lord, for those who are experiencing great difficulty right now, huge challenges. Lord, would you um, sound a a note of joy that, that sounds beneath all of those circumstances throughout all of the things that are going on. That would be this sort of a, this note, this sound of hope, of joy. And Lord, to those who um, are just feeling beat down and joyless and um, bad about that and inadequate, Lord, I I just pray you'd lift any any sense of guilt or um, wrongness from them. Or you take away any pressure to feel something that they're not feeling? So, Father, may our joy be rooted in all you have done for us as we turn our attention to um, celebrating communion. And may our joy be focused on what lies ahead. I'll just finish with some words from Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart.
0: Amen.